Englishmen and other effeminate sexual deviants took to the streets of London last week to protest Donald Trump because something, something, something. The protesters included men dressed up as women, men who may actually have been women, women exposing parts of their bodies that well-brought-up young ladies usually keep covered, and women with dyed hair and tattoos that sent the message, I am psychologically dysfunctional, please help me. To protest the fact that Trump Something, something, these sad and irrelevant people staged such dramatic displays as throwing girly, ineffectual punches at a half-naked Donald Trump punching bag and then swaggering away as if they had accomplished something. They also displayed what the media called a baby Trump blimp, but which turned out just to be a smallish balloon, though the protesters needed a permit for it anyway because they live in a country where you need a permit to carry a balloon. Asked why the protesters were protesting, one person told reporters, quote, since our country no longer has any pride or principles, we have nothing to do but sit around waiting to be enslaved by Sharia law. So we figured we'd protest the American president to pass the time until we cease to exist as a meaningful political entity, unquote. The protest ended abruptly when it was announced that America had broken ties with England nearly 250 years ago, thus leaving England in a relevant backwater with no say in who governs real countries like ours. Meanwhile, across the channel on the continent formerly known as Europe, France won the World Cup by defeating Croatia, which is like a country or something. In response to their victory, the French promptly rioted to protest the fact that they just wasted weeks of their lives watching soccer. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, the Clavenless weekend comes to an end with a bang. I'm not sure what that was, somebody falling down probably. Uh, you know, you want to take a look at YouTube. They've been manipulating the subscription feed uh, to curate your choices, which means that users may not be notified if a channel goes live, even if you subscribe to our channel. I wouldn't say that this affects conservatives more than leftists, but it can, you know, affects conservatives more than leftists. In order to make sure you receive notifications for our live videos, you should not only subscribe to Daily Wire on YouTube, but also ring the little bell so you know when we post new content. Also, tomorrow is the conversation. July 17th, whatever tomorrow is, Tuesday, whatever it is, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, I will answer your questions moderated. (laughs) Maybe the Clayton's weekend isn't over yet. Moderated by our lovely and talented host, Elisha Krauss. The Q&A will stream live on YouTube and Facebook for everyone to watch, but only subscribers can ask me questions over at dailywire.com. Check out the pinned comments on this video for more information. Subscribe to get your questions answered tomorrow, July 17th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, and join the conversation. This one's a little different than the Shapiro and Knowles conversation because it's me, so all the answers are guaranteed 100% correct. They can't say that because they're honest people. Uh, (laughs) Finally, before we get started, let's talk about Black Rifle Coffee. If I said to you there is a company that makes great coffee and also supports our military and also is run by former military people, you would say, get me that stuff. That is black coffee. If you ever found yourself wincing at the weak taste of the coffee from those left-leaning corporate brands, you probably thought, I wish they spent less time on meaningless bias training, bathroom policy reform, and other things that defy common sense, and more time just making good coffee. That's why you need Black Rifle Coffee. It's founded by former special operation vets, and it delivers the best roast-to-order coffee right to your door. Guarantees you're getting fresh premium coffee 
from people you would actually associate with. In addition to great coffee and gear, Black Rifle has a coffee club that makes things easy. No lines, no running out. Just great coffee shipped right to your door every month, hassle-free. And they also give a portion of their sales to veteran and first responder causes. Visit blackriflecoffee.com slash Clavin and receive 15% off your order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Clavin for 15% off blackrifle.com slash, how do you spell it? Sing it. K-L-A-V-A-N. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. All right. So, I, you know, I only got a chance as I was preparing to leave and, and getting ready to leave my house to drive here. I only got a chance to see some of Trump's joint press conference with Vladimir Putin. And part of it, gave, I have to admit, gave me a bit of a, a Helsinki feeling. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think that um, you know, there are things that Trump does that you know what he's standing with. Vladimir Putin or anybody, he's always thinking about the negotiation. He's always thinking about his personal relationship in a negotiation. So he's he's always thinking, well, I can't sit here and say Vladimir Putin is a gangster and then go back and talk to him and say, hey, can you help me out in Syria? So he's not going to do that. And despite the fact that everything the left is doing, everything the press is doing is geared toward estranging the two countries. However, however, when Trump makes a mistake, If you pay attention, when he makes a real faux pas, as I think he did this morning, it's always a left-wing mistake. You have to remember that Trump spent most of his life as a Democrat kind of trending to the left, and then he slowly became what we call politically mature, and now I think he's been a great conservative president. He really has been. But, but sometimes, I've seen him do this before, and it's always this thing, the left likes to compare apples to dictators, right? They, they treat the things that happen in our country as if they were the same as things that happen in a genuinely oppressive country. So you make a comment they don't like, you're Hitler. You know, if a, a gay guy has to drive an extra half a mile to get a wedding cake, it's like he's oppressed. He's oppressed. They didn't throw him off a roof, but they wouldn't give him those florets he likes on his wedding cake because he's gay. So he's oppressed. They're comparing apples to dictators. And Donald Trump did that I'm going to get into this whole Mueller uh, indictment thing because I think a lot of it is, I think the way the press is covering it is absolute nonsense. But they asked him, obviously, a reporter asked him about the relationships between Russia and America. And Trump had tweeted out that we were both to blame. So here's what he, here's the answer that he gave. Mr. President, you tweeted this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity, and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? And if so, what would you what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. I think that the United States now has stepped forward along with Russia, and we're getting together, and we have a chance to do some great things, whether it's nuclear proliferation in terms of stopping. We have to do it. Ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we can be working on. But uh, I do feel that uh, we have both made some mistakes. I think that the, the probe is a disaster for our country. 
So th- that to me is like saying, you know, that's like Elliot Ness getting up and saying the bad relations between the FBI and Al Capone mob, uh, we both made mistakes, you know. <laughs> it's not the same thing. You know, Putin is as bad as people say he is. He is a gangster. He is a murderer. He is a, an invader of other countries. He's a czar. He's bringing back the age of the czars. And to sit there and, and compare Bob Mueller to Vladimir Putin is comparing a, a a cake shop that won't give you a wedding cake to like Muslims throwing gays off roofs. It's comparing apples to dictators. And that's and that is a mistake that Trump makes because he used to be a left winger and because he's a negotiator. And so he wants to flatter and appease uh, Putin in spite of the fact. Let's always remember. Let's always remember that while Don, uh, Obama was doing absolutely nothing to Russia, Trump has supplied the Ukrainian rebels with arms, with lethal weapons. He has uh, sanctioned some of these oligarchs who live off their ability to take their millions, rip off the Russia for millions and then bring their money over here. He has done all kinds of things to really make life tough for Putin. So I, in terms of action, Trump is doing very well, but always with Trump. There's, you know, the whole thing is, the media works through noise. Everything in the media is noise. Hammering. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? Where's the hammer? Is it on the... Go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering. <laughs> if they stop the hammering, like the entire media would go off the air. You know, what, what the media does with Republican presidents is they create all this noise, all this panic, all this stuff that is based on zero or on nothing. Mitt Romney's an evil guy because maybe he did something in high school that was not that nice or he put his dog on the roof when he went on a trip. You know, so there's lots and lots of noise surrounding Ron. Oh, he put women in binders. That was my favorite. What the hell did that even mean? You know, I mean, he had binders filled with women's resumes. So that, oh, what a gaffe, what a terrible gaffe. So then if Mitt Romney actually does something wrong or if he makes a mistake, then it seems to be part of this massive, massive problem Mitt Romney gets instead of media noise, and then maybe Mitt Romney made an actual mistake. When it comes to, of course, the left, when it's Barack Obama, IRS, you know, shutting down the opposition, never heard of it. Lying about Benghazi? No, no, he didn't lie about Benghazi. Sending in the FBI to investigate the opposition? No, no, it just looks that way because the FBI was investigating the opposition at Obama's request. So it just looks like that was, you know, so they surround them with this kind of cone of silence, but they surround Republicans with noise. So let's just look at this Mueller indictment because this is basically what he goes into this uh, summit, what he went into this summit with, okay? You know the expression, you can <laughs> indict a Hamsky Samovich, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like, what basically is going on? I'm, look, this is not to put forward a conspiracy theory. It truly is not. But, but, there is such a thing, there are, are such things as politicized prosecutors, and we don't know yet whether Mueller is one or not. We really don't. It looks, he's a lot of suspicious stuff, so many Democrats, he did get rid of Strzok, which was a good thing, but so many Democrats, so many angry Democrats, lots of them Hillary supporters. So we don't know. Is he a, is he a, a totally politicized prosecutor? He might be. But I will say this, these indictments come out, these indictments come out after this absolute circus of Peter Strzok being questioned by the House committee and making the FBI look like crap. Strzok, I mean, that that hearing was a circus, but I think what most people came away from, except the Democrats trying to cover up for him, was this is a mess. So it comes right before that 
right after that and right before the Helsinki summit. And you think to yourself, these guys are never, they, what he did was he indicted a federal grand jury, uh, returned an indictment against a dozen Russians. These are Russian uh, sec- uh, military security people, basically saying that they were going into the Democrats' emails and that they are the ones who put out all these emails that went to WikiLeaks and so on. The defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. There was one unit that engaged in active cyber operations by stealing information, and a different unit that was responsible for disseminating the stolen information. The defendants used two techniques to steal information. First, they used a scheme known as spear phishing, which involves sending misleading email messages and tricking the users into disclosing their passwords and security information. Second, the defendants hacked into computer networks and installed malicious software that allowed them to spy on users and capture keystrokes, take screenshots, and exfiltrate or remove data from those computers. Okay, so he's accusing... Now, again, again, these guys will never be extradited. They will never be tried. These are just charges that they're making, okay? And I'm not saying the charges are wrong. I'm not saying anything about about them. But I am saying, look, these came out at a certain point. They came out after the Strzok hearing, which I thought was just a disaster for the FBI. Let's take a look at some of the Strzok hearing just for a minute. I know it's a, a little bit of a diversion, but still... Peter Strzok, this is the guy, obviously, who was writing to his adulterous lover, also working with the FBI, about how much he hated Trump and he was going to get an insurance policy in case he won and and uh, he was going to stop him from becoming president and all this stuff. And he comes up and he, first of all, he's got this face when you caught his expressions. Like, you know, I actually took one of his expressions and put it on Twitter with the caption, have the lamb stopped screaming, Clarice, because he looked just like Hannibal Lecter in the movie. And I it got like retweeted like four. 4,000 times, 20,000 likes. So anyway, he goes up there and first Trey Gowdy goes against them. And I'm not going to play all this stuff, but I got to play at least a couple of cuts. Trey Gowdy just says, you know, you were thrown off the probe because what Strzok is saying is, yes, well, maybe I said some bad things, but that doesn't mean I'm biased. I've never been biased. I've never been biased. And Gowdy, Gowdy says, you were thrown off the probe. Here's the question. If you were kicked off when he read the text, shouldn't you have been kicked off when you wrote him? Not at all. Well, it wasn't the discovery of your text, Mr. Strzok. It was the existence of your bias that got you kicked off. No, Mr. Gowdy, it wasn't. I do not have bias. My personal opinions in no way... Well, then why did you get kicked off? Why did you get kicked off? Mr. Gowdy, my understanding of why I was kicked off was that based on an understanding of those texts and the perception that they might create... Well, hang on, hang on a second, Agent Strzok. Hang on a second. Perception. You're saying it was the perception there are 13 Democrats on the special counsel probe, including one who went to what he hoped was a victory party. That's a perception problem, too. They weren't kicked off. You were. Why were you kicked off? (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, they're all Democrats, but he was kicked off. So it does look awfully bad. And then there was this exchange with Louis Gohmert. And you got it. You'll listen to the Democrats are trying to shut them down. And the Democrats act. One of them actually said this guy deserves a purple heart. I mean, which, right, this is what the military gives you if you're wounded in action. Uh, this guy's an embarrassment, uh, clearly an embarrassment. And Louis Gohmert uh, was just hilarious. 
the disgrace Mr. what this man has done. The gentleman from justice. Texas will suspend for a there moment. There is the disgrace. And it won't be recaptured anytime soon because of the damage you've done to the justice system. And I've talked to FBI agents around the country. You've embarrassed them. You've embarrassed yourself. And I can't help but wonder when I see you looking there with a little smirk, how many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, this is outrageous. The credibility of a witness Shame is always on you. Mr. Chairman, please. Have you Mr. Chairman, this is intolerable harassment of the witness. What is wrong with that? You need your medication. Oh, I love this country. I just love it. <laughs> you only get this in a free country. That was hilarious. But, but you know... I, you know, listen, plenty of adulterers have done good things in the world, I have to admit. But you do say, well, you're sitting there swearing, you know, that you're going to tell the truth to us, but you also swore to be faithful to your wife. So it does speak somewhat to character. However, so that all this noise is going on, right? And then these indictments come out, and you'll hear people, you'll hear both people on the left and the kind of never-Trumpers saying, oh, look how many indictments there are. Look how many indictments. But these are indictments that will never, ever, ever be tried or proven, right? These are just charges that are being made, and we don't know if they're true. We don't know. You, you know, uh, uh, Devin Nunez or Nunez or Nono, whatever the hell his name is, he was. <laughs> he said He said this was in our report. This was in the House report. So they think it's true, too. But they also think that they were hacking uh, the Republicans or trying to hack the Republicans as well. Now, you want to know what the, how the left is is playing this, right? And and are you going to tell me that the FBI isn't in touch with the New York Times? Of course they are. They they've been leaking stuff to the New York Times since this stuff happened. So here I'm. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm just saying timing is struck. Humiliates the FBI. Trump is on his way to Helsinki. They release these indictments, and then the New York Times reliably selling the left wing line. Well, let's take a trip to Knucklehead Row, the op-ed page of the New York Times. Here's the New York Times on this indictment. The 37-page indictment handed up by a federal grand jury in Washington amounted to a detailed rebuttal of Mr. Trump, who has sowed doubts that Russia interfered in the election and dismissed questions about its meddling as fake news. First of all, that's a that's a half-truth right there. I mean, what what Trump has been saying repeatedly is this is a witch hunt because there was no collusion. While he was standing next to Putin, he said, well, Putin does deny it. But that's not the same as saying it's untrue. What he has said, his thing about a witch hunt has been about his collusion. All right, goes on. This is the Times. Mr. Mueller has gathered extensive evidence of contacts between Russia and the Trump campaign. This is the New York Times, right? Mr. Trump's eldest son met with a Russian lawyer in hopes of receiving political dirt on Mrs. Clinton. Okay, we have gone through that extensively. As far as Trump Jr. knew, this was not a an agent of the Russian government. It was a Russian, but still, it was a stupid meeting to took, take. He got out of it pretty fast. One advisor has admitted being tipped off in advance to Russian hacking of Democratic emails. Untrue. This is Papadopoulos they're talking about, and he said he was not tipped off in advance. He, he just said that he knew that they had them, and that went to the Australians, and they're claiming that that began the investigation almost certainly untrue as well. Another was in contact with a Twitter account used by Russian hackers. What the hell does that mean? We're all in contact with a Twitter account used by Russian hackers. A federal judge found probable, this is the one I love, a federal judge found probable cause that a third advisor was an unlawful Russian agent. That's the federal, that's the FISA guy who was shown the Steele dossier, which we now know was complete 
garbage. As Trump said during this press conference, he said if the Steele dossier had anything, they'd have released it by now. So that's nonsense. But again, it's creating this noise. It's creating this noise that if, if so much stuff is happening, if I pound my fist on the table long enough, we're having an earthquake. If so much stuff is happening, then there must be something going on. There's all this smoke. Stop the hammering. <laughs> Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, you've got the hammer. The news media's got the hammer, and they make all this noise. Let me just play, let me let me just play uh, a couple, of, well, let me play a couple of things just to show you how the noise was created. Sam Vinograd, I don't know how to pronounce her name. She's this cutie pie who was a former aide to, uh, to Obama. And she goes on, uh, I guess it's CNN. Let's, let's look at the, her at, at CNN first. Uh, and, she, and she calls... Um, Trump a Russian tool, right? Well, what we definitely know is that Trump and Vladimir Putin actually have a few things in common when it comes to the media. Both of them happen to be propaganda to machines. They this. spread misinformation, disinformation, and so divisions uh, in the United States. That's Russia's mission we know from the intelligence community. And Donald Trump has proven himself to be a tool, a Russian tool, for spreading that misinformation and disinformation. All right, now on CNN... Uh, on this show, Trump is a tool. Then Jake Tapper asks the big question, which is all this hacking went on under Obama. Trump had nothing to do with it. Obama was sitting there and Obama knew about it and he didn't do diddly. And so Jake Tapper asks the question. Suddenly she sings an entirely different song. You read this indictment and you think, boy, the Obama administration, they really kind of missed the ball on this. I mean, yes, they issued that report. But President Obama said, what did he say? He, he told Putin to cut it out or knock it off. It wasn't particularly strong. Uh, and then there was all this hesitation about warning the American people for fear of looking partisan. Um, in retrospect, uh, doesn't it seem to you that perhaps the Obama administration was at least to a degree asleep at the switch? Well, I'm not here to be an apologist for the Obama administration. I was gone when this when this happened. But I think we have two fault. separate things here. We have one. What intelligence did we have? when this attack started, so 2016, 2015, 2014, when did we start to know what the Russians were up to? That's question number one. Question number two is why were we ineffective in deterring that ongoing attack? And we're still ineffective. We know from various sources, public and private, that this attack hasn't stopped. There's bipartisan agreement on that. And not one president, whether it be Obama or President Trump, has figured out how to deter Vladimir Putin. So it's not a question in Helsinki about whether Donald Trump raises election meddling, he can raise it is, has he prepared enough to figure out how to deter President Putin from continuing doing what he's doing? So on one show, she's saying he's a tool of, the, of Russia. And then Tapper points out that it was Obama. And she says, well, we've all made mistakes. And I wasn't there at the time. <laughs> it's just a completely different narrative when she's confronted because she knows nobody's going to pay pay attention and compare it. You know, you have to go back today when they sat down, when Trump and Putin first sat down, Trump winked at Putin. We have a, a little clip of that. It's like just two seconds long. They're sitting together and he gives them a wink hello. Yeah. And they close in on it. And of course, the left goes <laughs> nuts. They play it over and over again. Uh, very, you know, that was a wink. Oh, my God. Trump looks like he just got schooled by his teacher. This is on uh, on Twitter. Only Trump could make Putin look like the classy one. Very awkward body language. Got to, you know, the, the whole thing. But you remember back in 2012 when 
Obama said to Dmitry Medvedev, then the outgoing president of Russia, who was about to give way and let Putin become president for life, right? When he made that that comment about um, about the missile defense system that Putin didn't want going into Europe, and Obama, who later got rid of the missile defense system, promised Medvedev, Nunes, whatever his name is, <laughs> that he would, after the election, after he didn't have to deal with the voters anymore, he would get out of it. You know, instead of just playing the clip of that, do we have the CBS, how CBS reported that? President Obama was far from Washington today in South Korea for a summit with world leaders on nuclear security. But he couldn't escape presidential politics, not after a live microphone picked up a comment that he made to the Russian president. Senior White House correspondent Bill Plant is traveling with the president in Seoul tonight. Bill? Scott, President Obama and outgoing Russian President Medvedev were still deep in conversation as cameras were ushered into the room. And President Obama was overheard giving Medvedev a very candid political assessment of his ability to deal with the major problems between the U.S. and Russia. All of the issues can be solved, the president told Medvedev, but he stressed that it was particularly important for incoming Russian President Vladimir Putin to give him space on the missile defense system which the U.S. and NATO want to install in Europe. <laughs> they put it in this context. It's presidential, you know, politics. And then later on, they say, oh, the Russians, the Russians, the Republicans made a big fuss over this, but it's just campaign rhetoric and all this. As a result of this, see, they, because they surround the Republicans in noise, when Trump made a mistake, which I think he did with what he said at the um, at the conference, the one thing we can count on is that they'll overreact. So they'll kind of make it look much less bad than it actually was. If Trump makes a mistake and it all becomes part of this noise and you say, oh, my gosh, there's this going on. And they're calling him a traitor. Is it treason? Is he a traitor? It's just Trump negotiating, right? But they surround the left with silence. So now, years later, Katie Tour is on NBC, and somebody mentions the fact that Obama promised Medvedev that he would get rid of these missiles as soon as he wasn't responsible to the American populace, right? And listen to what Katie Tour says. Well, I think it was Obama that leaned over to Putin and said, I'll have a little more flexibility to give you what you want after the re-election. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're referring to, Congressman. Remember when he leaned over at a, at a, uh, at a panel discussion or at a meeting and he said, I'll have more flexibility after the election. No one really ever pushed the president on what he meant by that. But I can only assume for a thug like Putin that it would embolden him. So, so what we've got, Katie Tour has never heard of it. She's never heard of it because she herself is part of an industry that wrapped Obama's failures and corruption in silence and is making noise about every misstatement or miss or stumble that Donald Trump makes. The, the true news story right now is that the Russian collusion investigation really does look like a, a political event. It really does look like a political event. Some indictments have been handed down that have nothing to do with Donald Trump, but even if the indictments are true, even if the charges are true, they'll never be proved. So they don't, they're not evidence right now of anything. Meanwhile, Donald Trump went through Europe, got them to spend more money on defense at NATO. He's now talking to Putin, which we need to do, talking to North Korea. He's doing a good job. He's just part, he's just learned to fight noise 
with noise. And so it's all kind of like a lot of noise that we got to listen through to get to the truth. Speaking of noise, we got Michael Knowles coming right up, <laughs> but I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. So come on over to thedailywire.com and subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month. You can be in the conversation tomorrow. You could ask questions in the conversation. You can ask questions in the mailbag on Wednesday. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct. Will change your life, sometimes for the better. And for 100 bucks, you get a full year subscription and the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which, trust me, is going to be automatically refilling a lot in the coming months. All right, Michael Knowles coming up. All right, have we got Mr. Knowles? There he is. Hey. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> All right. Seems like you and I were just smoking a cigar two days ago. It does. I was <laughs> I was kind of hoping, because I so rarely get good uh, segment assignments, yeah. I was kind of hoping I could get to go over to London and Scotland and ride on the baby Trump blimp and all of that. But <laughs> unfortunately, I had to watch it from afar. If you had sat on that baby Trump blimp, it would have fallen like a rock. No. The thing was like, this, this thing was smaller than a Prius. It was this, <laughs> I couldn't believe they made such a fuss over that. You know, that was that cigar was the last moment I had off all weekend because I've been working so hard getting the second season of Another Kingdom ready for you to read. So I just want you to know that you you uh, will be reading good stuff. I'm really grateful and I'm really glad to hear that because that cigar was the last cigar I had before I had another one on the drive home (laughs) and then a couple martinis on Saturday outside by the pool. Well, yeah, I'm glad we both spent our weekends doing good work. Uh, I'm pretty excited for this new season of Another Kingdom. I'm I'm really happy with the way it came out and I think it's it's going to be really good. And the Daily Wire is doing it this time. So it's going to have a lot of, uh, in, you know, it's going to have the God King himself behind it. He's so. going to be using all of his powers. I also really appreciate it because, as you might know, I don't I don't work a lot in this town anymore, you know. And at this point, I believe the only acting roles I get are from you and Ted Cruz. Those are the main channels. So I really hope we're going to put all of every ounce of acting training I ever had is going into the second season of Another Kingdom. And I hope people like it. I think the first one did pretty well, so I'm hoping this one you know, does too. I, I think with the audience's help and with Jeremy's intelligence behind this thing, I think we could make this into something, uh, you know, w- w- which you might actually be, be the first thing in your life besides getting married you could actually be proud of. That's right. <laughs> I, I'd like to count the book as something, the blank book as something I'm proud of, but I didn't do anything, so it doesn't, doesn't work. Um, you know, we've been talking about the noise, and there was so much noise. Basically, Donald Trump did a good job in Europe. I mean, he came, he demanded more NATO spending, he seems to have gotten commitment for nor- more NATO spending. He schooled the uh, the English on what they should be doing about Brexit, but aren't. But nothing. He got nothing but protests. And what are they protesting? They the Europeans in the, the United Kingdom. I guess the former Europeans in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But in for all the way from the UK to Finland. Uh, the, the foreigners who were protesting our president and our government were proving Trump right. They were proving the entire point. President Trump said these people are ungrateful. We're protecting them. We're paying the, uh, an, a huge lion's share of their defense budget. And they're not grateful for it. They're cozying up to other people. And they don't give us any respect on the world stage. They don't give us respect on trade. They don't give us respect anywhere. And what happened? He pulled up and he got no respect. No respect, <laughs> I tell you. Like Rodney Dangerfield. There's even some physical resemblance. The, the I mean, that is the main takeaway right now, just on the defense point, just on the no respect. Right now, the United States pays 12 and a half times as much as the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and 71 percent more as a percentage of GDP. Even even that, because obviously UK That's, is a smaller GDP. Yeah. 
For, that's for defense. That's for defense. We're paying so much more, over 12 times more. And by the way, the UK is the number two contributor to NATO. They're the, they're the second biggest that's one. Yeah. We're still paying almost 13 times more. And then they brag about their social spending, which they can only do because we're paying for it, essentially. Exactly, because yeah. Daddy, Daddy Trump <laughs> is being very nice to them. Yeah. Uncle Sam, all the way through Daddy Trump, is being very nice. Uh, also, the other thing about the protests is to see that uh, the American left has common cause with our apparent foes abroad. You know, the the tenor of the protests was so grotesque and so lame. I mean, it was that, you know, that all they do, they can't protest any actual policy. So they just make a, a big Trump baby wearing a diaper and they use profanity. There was a great side-by-side of the lefty protesters who were like stripping naked and had rainbow glitter on their eyes and were throwing blood on the wall or whatever. And then the, the pro-Trump protesters there were saying, hey, uh, they were all like dressed well and buttoned down shirts. They parted their hair and it said, you know, f- free that journalist that the UK uh, locked up for, for, uh, for oh, yeah, covering Tommy Robinson. court yeah. case. Yeah. Tommy <laughs> Robinson. They were all focused on issues. They said, welcome Donald Trump, because that's how adults behave. And I, these screaming children do not. I have to play a cut for you. I just have to play a cut of a, a protester being asked why he is protesting. It's cut number seven. <laughs> have we got this? Can we play it? So we're sort of like, you know, we just need to come out, basically. You know, we're completely against uh, Donald Trump. And it, um, what is it that you're against Donald Trump for? Well, you know, I don't think you can sort of live in a world where a sort of a bully, you know, the sort of person that's sort of, is the kind of person that's going to win. And I think that sort of like, for all the sort of other things that are going on, this sort of like culture where basically, uh, you know, if you can sort of like kind of uh, put people down and sort of like be the sort of, you know, the big person who sort of essentially, you know, um, uses negative sort of uh, methods to sort of put people down. I can't, I can't agree with that. No, he has no clue. Why was that, that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? <laughs> I couldn't make it. I couldn't see on the screen. You know, it's funny because that actually makes a great point. That image, which is he says, "Oh, you know, he's a bully, and he sa- he wants to win, and he says loser, and this and that." And it really means that this is just ideological. You know, ideologies are in so so many ways just uh, bunches of words. You know, vocabularies, and they speak different languages. Mm. This is a point that political philosopher Michael Oakeshott makes a lot. And uh, the, these people don't recognize the vocabulary, the very American vocabulary that Trump uses. So they they even use words, but, they, it, but they're hypocritical and ironic. You know, there were all these, Trump is a racist uh, signs in Scotland. One said, no Trump, no USA, no KKK, no racist USA. In, in, wait, wait, you know, maybe it rhymes better in Scottish <laughs> and uh, or it has better meter. Uh, in, in Scotland, one in three ethnic minorities last year reported discrimination. One in, now, why is that? First of all, there aren't that that many ethnic minorities in Scotland. Uh, but the, the fact on the ground is uh, racial discrimination among those ethnic minorities is much worse in Scotland than in the United States. But the fact doesn't matter. They're just throwing whatever they can at Trump based on these slogans like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there uh, being interviewed in the UK. Uh, there was a paraglider from Greenpeace. It said, Trump well below par. <laughs> this this one it was my favorite one of the whole protest because it, it had a hint of that British wit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. almost you know like well well jolly good right right. <laughs> um, and then in London they had one of the biggest protests since the Iraq War. Really? Yeah. Since a, a matter that actually involved the United Kingdom, this one doesn't involve them at all. They still got a quarter of a million protesters out there. And it, this is a really funny point with how the, the media treat Donald Trump versus how they treat his opponents. Uh, the Lib Dem, Dem leader, Vince Cable, says that Trump is an enemy of the UK, says that he's hostile to the UK's interests and what they stand for. He's calling them an enemy. No coverage of that. No coverage of politicians in the United Kingdom referring to Trump as an enemy. Only uh, images and 
reporting of Donald Trump referring to Europeans as foes. That's but, what gets but, the... But you know, if you watch that full interview, the, the reporter, this really got me because the reporter says to him, you know, you, you have, who are your main foes or competitors? So he uses he uses them as synonyms. The question right. clearly is the foe means competitor. And he says, well, we've got a lot of foes, you know, I mean, talking about competitors, you know, European or economic foes and the Chinese and all this stuff. It was a complete mm-hmm. um, it was a complete bait and switch. Yeah, absolutely. That's of course right. You know, uh, Nigel Farage, uh, he, he referred to this. He, Nigel Farage is very good on the media, too. He points these things out. And uh, he, he said that this was the biggest insult to a sitting U.S. president ever. Hmm. Like in that like in that interview where they're just, you know, they're just trying to nab him on something. This was all just a big setup. And I think Trump handled it very well. I'll talk about it later on the show, how I, I think he handled the Russia summit well. Yeah. But in Helsinki, in Helsinki, there was a sign that reads, USA and Russia, you did not send your best. Your leaders have lots of problems. They're bringing crimes. Some of you, I assume, are good people in reference to the, the Trump's Mexico comments. <laughs> right, right. The, so in Helsinki, it's the protesters drawing an equivalence between uh, the U.S. and Russia. It's uh, tr- President Trump's critics on the left drawing an equivalence between the president of the United States and the president of Russia. They're drawing this equivalence. I think the way Trump does it is very different. But by the way, all of these signs in Finland, refugees welcome, no racism, no xenophobia. Last year, Finland accepted seven. 750 refugees from Syria <laughs> and uh, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, significantly lower, you might notice, than their neighbors. Last year, 5,000 Iraqi refugees returned home and Finland chartered them 15 flights a day. Uh, you know, if someone is going to be throwing stones here, we, we have over 1,000 illegal immigrants crossing our border every single day and we do basically nothing about it. Finland is sending them home on airplanes, making it so hard to live that they have to go home. It's, it's absurd, but they don't uh, you know, what's good for me is not good for thee with these protesters. And it just highlighted the hypocrisy. I think it was and, a great show. And it all goes back to the defense spending. It all goes back to the yep. defense spending because, you know, it's not just a matter of how much we spend on NATO. It is the fact that they don't have a military. They don't need to have a military that will protect them because mm-hmm. everybody knows if you invade Finland, we'll kill you. That's, you know, that is why people, the only reason Vladimir Putin doesn't take over Finland is because he doesn't want to start a war with us. So all our spending, yes. they benefit from all our spending. So everything they do is like a child yelling. It's like an adolescent child yeah. yelling at his parents. They're like, they, they really are like children who sit around and say like, you're not the boss of me. You know, where's my breakfast? Mom, I wanted my burger <laughs> yeah, rare. Exactly. Mom, I didn't. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's so disingenuous. The left tries to say, well, certain countries aren't in NATO. Well, Finland doesn't directly. Nonsense. Yeah. As yeah. you said. The United States is protecting the world, and they all benefit from our, and, our and rely upon and, our defense spending. And a simple thank you and politeness when our president comes to town is all we ask. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's exactly right. You yeah. know, but I, lo- I think he played it really well. And uh, I mean, we'll see. I, because I, I'm a little lighter on on President Kofefe for that uh, Russian meeting. <laughs> the Russian meeting. Yeah, it was just that one comment. I just thought, like, you know, I know, and I know, you know, so much of what he says is planned negotiation <laughs> technique. And, right. and and so the idea when you get people like the New York Times, this is treason. It's hilarious. It's right. hilarious. <laughs> Not treason. It's negotiation. But you do think every now and again, you are the president. Don't compare us to him. John right? Brennan, the former CIA director, and, called And it, communist voter. Yeah. And communist yeah. voter. He said, yeah. this is treason with Russia. And, you know, the guy voted for the Communist <laughs> Party nominee at the height of the Cold War. <laughs> I know. I know. And I love, I, we haven't heard from Bernie, 
because he was over there honeymooning <laughs> yeah, while, yeah. All the, while the gulags were operating. Bernie is starting to change his opinion on Trump. He's like, you know, this guy's looking better after all, isn't he? <laughs> all right, so you're going to get Trump off the hook. I'm going to totally get him off the hook uh, on my show. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll listen in because I want to know. I want to see. I want to see that little magic trick. But, uh, no, all right, it's good talking to you. I'll talk see you later. All right. It is absolutely true. You know, we have to play this one. I, I just have to play this one clip of Trump, they say, calling Europe a foe, which is is the uh, cut number six. Just listen to the way they manipulate this interview. This is ABC reporting on CBS's interview. Who's your biggest competitor, your biggest foe globally right now? Well, I think we have a lot of foes. I think the European Union is a foe, what they do to us in trade. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. As for Putin's Russia, which U.S. intelligence agencies are convinced cyber attacked the 2016 election, a half-hearted second place in the president's ranking of American foes. Russia's a foe in certain respects. Uh, China's a foe uh, economically, certainly. Uh, they're a foe. That's uh, completely absurd. Every piece of that is fake news. Every piece. He says, well, who's your biggest foe competitor? So he's using it as a synonym. So obviously when Trump picks it up, he's using it to mean competitor. That's the first thing. And secondly, he then lists them in the order they come into his mind. He wasn't saying that the European Union was a worse foe than Russia or China. He's been harping about China since he started his for 20 years, really, you know. So it's just complete fake news, complete noise. And it's the only good thing about it is it gets Trump, when Trump does make a little bit of a slip, which I think he did, it gets him off the hook because it's in the context of the just ceaseless, ceaseless and idiotic attacks against him. All right, our crappy culture. So Samantha B came out with a statement that I'm, I, I want to riff on just a little bit. Samantha B, you'll remember, was it Ivanka she referred to using the C word, right? And there was all this uh, screaming and yelling that that was a terrible thing to say. I mean, that is a word normally that you, you pay a big price for saying. Nothing happens to her. She loses some sponsors, but she's still on the air. She doesn't lose her show. Roseanne is gone, but Samantha B is still going. And she says, you know, she says she, she wasn't really prepared for the level of ferocity. She said, it affected me a lot. I've been thinking a lot about it. We had a scheduled vacation around July 4th, and it was a time of reflection. I, this is, I'm quoting Samantha B. I do think that being part of the outrage machine is an inevitability now. That's a reality everyone has to grapple with, not just me. The level of ferocity is something I hadn't quite experienced up to that point, but I assume I'll go through it again. Maybe I'll be better prepared next time. I think we handled it well, but it was a pretty steep learning curve. So Samantha B, the left now is not only victims of everybody else and the patriarchy, the left now can be victims of themselves. Samantha B is like blaming the world for the fact that she did something wrong. And the thing is, there's on the left, there's simply no accountability. Glenn Reynolds has a piece in USA Today. Glenn Reynolds, obviously the instapundit. He says, when the EPA poisoned the Animus River in Colorado, it rejected claims for damages and nobody from the EPA went to jail. A private company under similar circumstances would have faced ruinous losses. So when the IRS's lowest learner deliberately targeted conservative groups, something the IRS admitted and apologized for, she retired with her pension and faced no charges. When Chinese hackers stole a vast database of secret military and intelligence personnel observation, a blow some 
experts called a cyber Pearl Harbor. Nobody lost their job or went to jail. Here's Mark Penn writing in The Hill. Former FBI Director James Comey maintained he did not make any decision on the email investigation of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton until after Hillary Clinton's interview, even though his conclusion memo was written, edited, and watered down months in advance of his announcement. Former CIA head John Brennan denied he supplied the Steele dossier on Trump to then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid in the face of mounting evidence that he did indeed precisely that. Former FBI Director uh, Andrew McCabe has flatly denied that he lied to the FBI about orchestrating a self-serving leak uh, when we know he did. So, you know, I mean, the thing is, these guys pay no price. They lie. They lie under oath. They say these things. You know, the EPA makes these terrible, terrible decisions. But as long as you are part of the deep state, big leftist machine, you do not get touched. And that includes the media. That includes the media. Meanwhile, John Schnatter, the guy, the founder of Papa John's, has to quit because he uses the N-word in a conference call to point out that somebody else was bigoted to point out that somebody else said something bigoted and he didn't want to be involved with them. And he used the word and he's, he's still apologizing for using the word. He said, it's a hurtful word. I'm sorry I used it. But still, still to use it in that context where you're condemning it should not cost you your job. It is insane. And so all, all I'm simply saying is it's the weight, the weight of uh, error on the right is entire. You make a mistake on the right, you lose your job. You're Roseanne, you lose your job. You're John Schneider, you lose your job. You make a mistake on the left and nothing, nothing ever. I mean, Hillary Clinton is still walking around free. And when people start chanting, lock her up, they say, isn't that awful? Isn't what's awful about it? She broke the law. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more. And we've got the conversation tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. I am Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. A new week begins. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Emily Jai. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.